0: life can be expensive. Between rent, debt payments, savings, and personal expenses, it can be hard to keep track of what's going in and out of your bank account each month. If money feels overwhelming, don't worry. Our guest today is going to break down all the components of a monthly budget so you can create a practice that works for your needs today and in the future. After Michelle Hung graduated from Waterloo, she spent seven years working in investment banking and venture capital. An avid investor herself, she used the knowledge that she gained in that career to build a six-figure investment portfolio by the time she was 29. Today, she's a financial planner, financial educator, and the author of two books about personal investing. Michelle, thanks so much for joining the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much, Megan. I'm so excited to be here today.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here as well, um, because I've been uh, following your videos uh, on Mm -hmm. TikTok in particular for a while now. So uh, great to have you. Great to have you on. Um, And I want to just jump right in. Um, Let's say that I am a new graduate and I just got my first job out of school. Um, Where do I even start with my monthly money management?
1: Well, you'll want to start with establishing what it is that you want. So hopefully as students, cause I've done a bunch of talks <laughs> at the university, hopefully you have like some sort of concept of what a budget is, but that, if you don't, that's okay. We'll be going through that. So the first thing is you want to establish your goals what do you want is it to pay off student loans um, or any debts that you have is it to build up savings for an emergency fund you'll want about three months at least three months worth of expenses saved up so um and again like is it to you know save for a house you want to move out um, maybe you went back home with your parents right um after you graduate that's okay so you have to look at your situation establish what it is that you want and you can certainly have more than one goal Okay, it's not like okay, I have to pay off my debt. I can't do anything else. No, you can have more than one goal, and that's why creating a budget will be very helpful because it's going to help you allocate money um, towards you know the multiple goals that you have, um, while of course considering your living expenses.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. I think that that's a a really great point to start with. That everyone's in a different situation. Everyone is uh, going to have a a different thing that they're striving towards. So uh, and cost different amount of money for different things. So uh, that's a great thing to start with. So now that we've established our goals based on our own particular situation, can we talk about monthly
1: expenses? What should people consider first? Absolutely. So a really big mistake I see with people's budgets are having very high fixed expenses. And the two most costly ones are, um especially in, you know, Toronto, Vancouver, it's going to be rent Um and car expenses come after that. So I want to I want to talk about rent. Let's talk about rent, especially in Toronto with the way things are now. They're like low vacancy rates, so they say, and very high rents. Right? It's a big challenge. So my take on as, you know, a fresh grad, you just got a full-time job, you're making big money, more money than you've ever made before. Um, so you, you, it doesn't mean you should go on a spending spree, right? It's a big mistake that people make. If you can live at home with your parents for the first several several years, do it, because these are the years where you can really stash away a lot of money. You can pay off that debt so much faster. You can save so much faster. Now, of course, you're going to be um, very likely contributing to that household as well, whatever that amount may be. You're gonna be paying your parents' rent um, or your family, whatever any like some form of rent, but it's not gonna be as much as if you were to be living out on your own. If it is, then maybe you can consider moving out. But for the most part, um, you know, the you know, staying with family, the rent is, you know, below, it should be reasonable, right? <laughs> and if they're not being reasonable, then reason with them. Um, when I graduated, um, I you know I worked downtown in investment banking, but I needed to save money and pay off my debt, so I had to stick it out. I stayed at my parents' house in Markham. I took the GO train um, in every day very early in the morning and many, you know, late nights, there were times where I just didn't see daylight, especially in the winter time. So, you know, I just had to stick out because that was my financial situation. Now, again, that may not be an option for everyone. Not everyone will have, you know, parents like in the GTA or, you know, close to uh, where you work, where your jobs are. So you may have to come out having to rent wherever it is that you're living in so what i would say is get a roommate do not go for that one bedroom um get two roommates if you can sharing a home with someone is not and should not be unique to just student life it's just so expensive in the city and the more roommates you have the cheaper your rent will be so when i see people's budgets you know maybe they have you know i see budget like people having budgets of salaries of $80,000 per year, and they start renting a one bed, one bedroom place in Toronto for like $2,300, okay? Those are the people that will be struggling, and that's how they get themselves into debt. Their rent um, or fixed cost is just too high, um, so and because they're fixed they have to pay their rent to stay wherever it is that they're living it just leaves very little 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 wiggle room for all the other expenses like food going out savings trips or any other goals that they may have so if you get a roommate or you know, get two roommates, um, you know, if you're going to be living in the city, that is your best option. You'll still have like the freedom, the flexibility, like the independence, um, but your fixed expenses, your rent costs will be very manageable. Um, and then that allows you to save money, pay off that whatever, it, whatever goals that you've um, you've established. And of course, if you can get away with not having a car, take public transportation, get that Presto card, walk, bike, wh- whatever it is, you know, car costs are also very high. It's also a big portion of someone's budget.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, that's great. I mean, like you said, everyone's situation is different. So um, I guess that I guess the main message is just reduce those costs as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as someone who got rid of her car after graduation mm-hmm. and started taking public transit, it's actually, it really is not that bad. Um, mm-hmm. I found that I was actually more healthy. Um, back yes. then. So I walked everywhere because I didn't yeah. want to wait for a bus, um, which is also <laughs> a really good option. Um, okay, great. So so that's our so those are our fixed costs the uh the vehicle and rent those are the big ones that you really need to consider first. So once we've figured out that situation, I assume that we can kind of work the rest of our budget uh around those big things. Um and the next piece that I would expect you would uh look at is debts uh because you need to keep paying them whether you've moved out of your parents or not. Um how would you recommend tackling debts is there an organized way to go about it especially if you have multiple debts and how do you know what you should be putting down
1: Mm -hmm. so basically you know you're you're starting by you know you're looking at your numbers how much are you bringing in net um net monthly income each month and then you've established you know like what are your fixed monthly costs we talk we talked about the big ones, and then now let's incorporate like all the other types of fixed monthly costs, right? And that includes the minimum payment on those debts. And if you want to pay off debt faster, you'll want to go above paying the minimum um, to get that debt down faster um so you have to establish how much more you want to pay above the minimum so again that depends on all your other fixed recurring monthly expenses so expenses like we talked about rent um transportation expenses and then there's like utilities internet cell phone um gym memberships and then you also want to give yourself like a minimum savings right so even though you have debt you want to still stash away money for um for your emergency fund. So set a minimum savings amount, it could be $200, $300, whatever that amount, you're gonna be setting aside money for yourself while making um, payments towards your debt. So no, again, like once you've established all of these fixed expenses, including minimum loan payments, minimum savings, no matter what happens, you must pay these bills or set aside money for these goals every month. So once you've established that, whatever's left is gonna be allocated towards Variable expenses um, like food, going out, shopping, um, and your financial goals, which is paying extra amounts towards your debt, or it could be like saving more aggressively. So, if your primary goal is to tackle that debt amount, you want to pay as much towards your debt above the minimum amount. You want to use a debt calculator. Um, you can find that online. I know OSAP, the OSAP website, has a calculator where you can, you know, put in some numbers to see when you'll be debt free if you were to pay, you know, X amount per month uh, towards your loans. And I would say, like, be a little flexible with that. Be like, I think the, I believe the average time it takes to pay off um, OSAP loans is around it's close to 10 years. Right now, I feel like, oh, my gosh, it's like 10 years. It's OK. You will pay that down. Um, but the key is you get to have a, a balance with your life. Right. And that's the important thing. You don't want to resent your life just because you want to pay that debt down aggressively, right? And another note is like OSAP loans, the interest on those loans are tax deductible. So there's a benefit to that. So um, you may want to be aggressive, like the first five years kind of thing, get it down to an amount where you're like, okay, I only have like $10,000 left or $8,000 left. And then, you know, that's when you're going to start feeling good and be like, okay, this is... This is good you can even like slow down your payments um or or you can you know pay it off right like right off the like you can even aggressively pay that off um even faster may not even be 10 years because if you continue to get raises maybe get some bonuses um that will all be very helpful towards tackling that debt so when you're starting right now looking at the calculator Calculator and seeing that oh my god it's going to take ten years that's okay a lot of things can change over the next ten years just make sure you have a good balance right now between your goals and your current living expenses.
0: Mm-hmm. I like the way that you broke that down um, where you know the minimum payments are part of your fixed costs and then you can think about it's it's good to um, to pay more but. You need to fit it in with your goals, especially with the cost of living being so high. I think it's a really nice way to think about it. So, uh, we have our debts uh, figured out um, eventually in 10 years. That's okay. Um, We have Mm -hmm. our fixed costs figured out uh, for the month. So, once all of that is looked after, um, what, if you have some remaining money left, what should you do for it? Is it open for
1: spending? Can we just go out and treat ourselves? yeah absolutely (laughs) so like once all your fixed costs are looked after including like your minimum savings um minimum debt payments extra debt payments extra savings you know whatever is left over it's going to be towards your variable expenses food entertainment shopping okay now i just want to add to the previous point um that in determining your additional debt payments um i mentioned you have to strike a balance between the variable expenses um and those aggressive debt savings goals, right? So again, the key is to balance how much you want to give yourself for these variable expenses. So for example, if you find yourself spending a thousand dollars per month on food, going out, like restaurants, buying stuff at, you know, Walmart, Shoppers, Drug Mart, stuff like that. Okay, then that's the amount you give yourself for these expenses. every month okay and each month you're spending on food and shopping will differ that's why they're called variable expenses they vary right so you want to give yourself that flexibility treating that thousand dollars per month like an allowance you can spend that on you can spend that money on whatever you want okay if you want to go out and eat mcdonald's every day that's great that's your jam just don't go over that amount this gives you the illusion that you have all this freedom um, flexibility which essentially you do as long as you don't go over that amount and what you want to do is you're going to break that monthly amount down to a weekly number say you know $250 per week for example give yourself $250 per week to spend on those variable items don't go over the amount and you won't go into debt and in the meantime you've already established um, your allocation uh, for your money towards your fixed expenses for your financial goals for your extra debt payments your savings all that has already been established so now your your job day to day is to make sure you don't go over that um allowance that you've given yourself so and if you're not spending all of it great you have extra savings right or you can carry that amount toward you can carry that amount forward to the next month so it's all about trying to strike a balance Test it out. Um, if you feel like you're you keep going over a budget for um, your variable expenses, like, oh, it's, you know, I can't work with this. OK, then, you know, tone down your, you know, maybe uh, some of your goals. Right. You want to give yourself some flexibility with your um, with your variable expenses. I know pe- most people underestimate what they spend on food and going out. Right. So you don't want to have that. Um, that guilt, it's like, oh, I went over budget. but so That's why it's important to give yourself, you know, that amount. That's the amount that you're like that allowance that you give yourself. Say you up it to up it to like twelve hundred dollars a month, right? Stay within that guilt-free spending. You can spend it on whatever you want. In the meantime, everything else is taken care of.
0: Yeah, um, I like breaking it down by week. Um, and I guess like there are lots of different ways that you can practically go about that. I know that like I've seen some people online who uh, specifically take out so much in cash every every week, and mm-hmm. then that's their spending money. Um, or you know you could have like a separate uh, account or something that you yeah. um, that you use oh, yeah. for that. Um, lots of different ways to to keep track of it. I'm sure uh, whatever mm-hmm. works best for you. Um, to go back to the savings, uh, if I can add a question in here, because um, mm-hmm. we have our established savings. It used to be when I when I got came out of school, um, and this makes me feel a little bit old. But when I came out of school, um, people suggested that you save ten percent um, of your paycheck, and I mm-hmm. think that things have really changed now because yeah. of the cost of living uh, being different. Is there? Is there a set amount that people should be saving or is that again dependent on their goals and uh, and what they have going on?
1: Yeah, it really depends on everyone's goals and you're right, living situations um, you know, spending, like cost of living like it's changed so much over the years so this like oh save 10 percent, save 20 percent of whatever is your earning it really doesn't it's not really for some people it's just not feasible especially in cities like vancouver and toronto like even if you can get away with saving a hundred dollars a month right like that is better than nothing so just because you can't meet that 10 percent um savings uh, allocation that's okay save whatever it is that you can at some point something's got to give something will change whether you're going to start making more money whether you're you know you'll free up your um a lot of cash flow because you're going to be debt free and then you can save more money that's you know you you have to keep in mind savings is not linear a lot of things happen throughout life it's not going to be like oh i can save 10 percent for the rest of my life. It's not gonna work out like that, especially for, you know, like women, right? Um, You know, they go through maternity leave or people lose their jobs, you know, and then they end up not being able to save money. So, you know, just keep in mind, savings is not linear. And so you have to do what works best for you, um, especially if you're living in these high cost cities like Toronto, Vancouver, the key is save whatever it is that you can. Yeah.
0: Uh, that's that's great yeah Uh, any savings are good savings so uh, that's great advice all right so look you're you're known as the sassy investor that's the uh, that's the name of your first book so I have to ask Mm -hmm. about investing what is Mm -hmm. the best way to get started with investing where where do you start Uh, I feel like it's overwhelming there's so many options Mm -hmm
1: oh yeah and you know there's the internet is flooded with so much information you know people get into this like analysis paralysis the best way to get started is just to get started okay get that investment account opened with a few points in mind so there will be some research involved if you're going to do this yourself okay but regardless I think everyone should learn about um, investment investing you know have that investment education under their belts so you can also, you know, of course, check out my TikTok page. I provide a lot of good tips on how to get started and what to invest in. But the first thing you want to do is you're gonna you're gonna take action, and you do that by opening an account. Okay, there's no harm in opening an account, um, except for one thing, which I'll talk about um, in a few minutes. But where do you do that? So in Canada, we have brokerages like Wealthsimple Trade or Quest Trade. Those are great for beginner investors diy investors um and now it's okay so you found the institution you want to open your account with now what account do you want to open so here are some of your options you're gonna start if you're just starting to invest, everyone needs to open a tax-free savings account, a TFSA. Okay, so everyone um, needs to open that. Doesn't matter like what income bracket you're in and whatnot. Everyone needs to get that open. Um, There are limitations on how much you can put in there. But once you put that money into that account and you invest it, Everything grows and like all the earnings, they grow tax free. And when you withdraw money from it, it's tax free. So there aren't a whole lot of things in Canada where things are tax free. This is one of those things. So you want to take advantage of that. The other option is there's this brand new account, and I think it'll apply to a lot of people coming out of school. This is the first home savings account. It's the FHSA, it came out um, this year, 2023, It's for those who are looking to buy a home in Canada. Now we all know, you know, that sounds like a struggle in itself. But the point of the purpose of this account is to help people with that down payment. So it is similar to a TFSA where you have limits on how much you can invest each year, um, but your earnings will grow tax free. So when you withdraw that and when you withdraw money from the FHSA, okay, that um, that down payment will be tax free, so you'll have 15 years to make a home purchase from the time you open an account. So when I said before, just open an account. Make sure you're for the FHSA. Make sure you're ready to start saving money towards your home um, purchase because there is a limit as a time uh, limitation as to when um like how long you can be saving and investing for so that time is 15 years um so again open it when you're ready to start saving for that down payment so the other i I also want to mention the other benefit to the fhsa is that when you do put money in it reduces your tax bill for the year so you get a tax deduction which is nice because you're saving money on your taxes for the year your earnings are um, going, uh, tax-free for that down payment. And you, you just get a tax refund because it reduces your tax bill. So the tax refund that you get, you can put that money towards your, you know, TFSA, your savings, you do whatever you want with that money. The key is you're saving more, um, money for yourself as opposed to, you know, paying it towards, uh, taxes. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, love that, uh, tax, uh, Rebate. I guess it's not a rebate, but I love, I love, I love the the return, the tax return. Yeah. It's always good to get a, a return on something, um, and and then it feels like free money, you know,
1: yeah. um, exactly. even, though,
0: even though it wasn't really. Um, yeah, great. So some great options. I mean, uh, the TFSA feels like just such a no brainer um, mm-hmm. for people. Um, I and same with the first time home buyer. Um, so what once we have the accounts open and, and we're putting money into them, I wonder like what are, what are some options for actually investing? Because there are some decisions that you need to be, that you need to make for that as well
1: absolutely so what to invest in once you put that money in so you want to um, so I'll, I'll start by let's just talk about your tax-free savings right you're saving you're, you're investing money for the long term so you have in mind you're not touching that money for at least five ten plus years so when you're investing you want to make sure you're you know diversified um, and there are ways to save you from um, it, from picking you know individual stocks like should i buy apple should I invest in amazon should i invest in tesla all these things right yes you can invest in all of them and the key and you want to invest in all of them because it saves you um the trouble from trying to identify which companies will still be around which ones are going to grow um but also you're not putting all your eggs in one basket by investing in you know just three companies right because if any one of those companies go bankrupt they don't do well then it's really going to have a big impact on your portfolio so that's why you want to be diverse invest in hundreds of companies at the same time and you do that by investing in what is called a fund right but specifically an exchange traded fund so it's just a pool of money that's invested in many companies across the board you start with investing these etfs you can pick a canadian etf so you're going to be invested in you know companies hundreds of companies across canada so what comes to mind well we have all the banks right we have scotia bmo rbc td you're going to be invested in that you we have you know three telecom companies rogers beltelis we have a tech darling we have shopify you know like when you think about canadian companies that's what comes to mind so if you find like a canadian etf you will be able to get exposure invest in all these companies um across the board in canada and because you're so di- you're diverse in investing in Canadian companies. Um, your money is, you know, it won't go to zero. If a few of them look have some trouble in the short term, that's okay because you don't have all your eggs in one basket. So likewise, mm-hmm. you also want to add some like U.S. Um, ETFs, U.S. funds. When you think about the U.S., you know, we think about the tech, like the big tech uh, giants like Amazon, Apple, Microsoft. You know, you'll have exposure to that as well. So you'll have um, a mix of, companies across the world in your portfolio at the end of the day you pick a couple etfs you get exposure to thousands of companies and you're making money two ways you're going to get the dividend payments so which are like the profits that are paid out to their investors so um, if you have like thousands of companies, if you have a couple of ETFs, you're going to see actual money um, dividends hitting your investment account on a monthly basis, maybe even several times a month. So that's always nice to see that tangible result in the short term. And in the long run, um, you'll wait for like no matter what's happening, eventually, you know, you'll see these stock price gains because the stock markets have, you know, bit the average historical stock Uh, Price returns have been around 8 to 10% per year, around 8% in Canada, 10% in the US. And that's a straight line average, meaning. It averages out like, you know, in one year the markets could be up like 30% and the next year it could be down like 25%. You average every single one of those numbers up. It's around, it's a positive return, 8 to 10%. Um, And that is good enough to hit whatever goals you want to hit, um, especially if you're starting really young. It is, Mm -hmm. that's, if you only do that, that is all you need.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that is why. Any savings are good savings because when you put them in a tax-free savings account um, and you're investing in them, they're going to grow more than just by the $100 you're putting in there every month. Exactly. Yeah, uh, that's great. Well, Michelle, it's been great to talk to you today. Thank you so much for breaking down monthly budget practice for us. Um, Where can people find you online if they want to follow your other content?
1: Yeah, for sure. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at the Sassy Investor. Um, I mentioned TikTok, also at the Sassy Investor. And then, of course, if you want to check out my webpage, um, it's thesassyinvestor.ca.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Great. Thank you so much, Megan. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our feed. If you want to learn more about finances, career paths, or other practical topics, check out our list of upcoming events for alumni. Thanks to alumni volunteers, we host events all over the world. Follow the link in our episode description to learn more. UWaterloo alumni podcasts are produced and hosted by me, Meg Vanderwood. I also happen to be a proud alum. Thanks to Angle Media for editing this episode.